friends and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Meg here as always and I am so excited for this week's episode with my friend and business coach Mallory Rowan. Mallory Rowan is one of my favorite people to follow on social media for business related things. So if you are a entrepreneur or you own your own business, that sort of thing, make sure you give Mallory Rowan a follow because she is so amazing. So that's not actually what Mal and I will be talking about this week though. (laughs) We aren't doing a business podcast episode this week. Sorry to burst your bubble, but we have something really great for you. So Mal, as you will find out, has had her own personal journey with burnout. And I really love how she shares this story and how it led her to where she is today. So I'm really excited for you to hear about her story in her own words, but before we dive in, I really do want to just talk about some things that she says in this episode because you all know I love relating everything back to hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery or eating disorder recovery. That's just kind of how my brain works because that is what I help women with on a daily basis. So Mal talks a lot about her burnout, but she started to reach out to doctors because she knew something wasn't right. Like so many of us do. We just kind of feel like things are off. So we go seek out a professional. And what I found really interesting about Mal's story is someone actually suggested she try a new mascara. And this just reminded me of part of my hypothalamic amenorrhea journey. And I didn't bring this up in my conversation with Mal, so I thought I would share it here in the intro. But I feel like this is something a lot of women find themselves doing before they actually pursue recovery, specifically hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery. So if you don't have your period, oftentimes we find ourselves in this time in our life where we are searching for natural solutions. We're trying to decrease like the toxic load in our life, feeling like that's the answer to get our periods back. I know I did that for a while. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm using too many toxic products. This was like six years ago. But that's really not usually what it boils down to. And as you'll hear from Mal, oftentimes it really does boil down to us overworking our bodies and taking on too much stress and just really running on zero. 
that was Mal's case and that was my case. (laughs) I did not get my period back just by switching up my facial cleanser and my shampoo and conditioner. What allowed me to fully recover and my body to be able to heal was to reduce all of those stressors, which was ease up on the exercise and stop under eating. Those two things are stressors. And so, like I said, Mal, we don't really talk about missing periods or hormones because that wasn't Mal's story, but I wanted to kind of put it into perspective that, hey, this can relate to hypothalamic amenorrhea and the journey that you might find yourself in too. So her body was speaking to her and I just want to highlight that all of us, our bodies are speaking to us at all times and we really just need to listen to them. So soon you will learn how Mal's body started to speak to her and how she overcame burnout. And we also talk about um, kind of the realities of social media, pressures around social media and boundaries. But um, I really do enjoy this conversation with Mal so much. And I loved that we were able to talk about burnout. And I just want to remind you that even though it didn't manifest for Mal in the way that her period went missing, so many of the women that I work with, when they are overworked and really running on zero, that's when their periods go missing. So I just wanted to remind you all of that and it is absolutely possible to fully recover and often our full recovery journey has a lot to do with the inner type of healing versus just addressing those stressors. We need to go deep within ourselves and heal with compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and just pure love for ourselves. And that is how I help my clients fully recover in my private coaching program. It is now a private coaching program called Back Home to You. I have been offering Back Home to You since July and have been guiding women through this 12-week journey and we've been having incredible results. But just this year, I switched it to a private coaching program versus a small group coaching program. So spots are filling up real quick. I will be at max capacity very soon. I have three spots left. So if the work that I do speaks to you, if you are feeling like you're stuck in your healing journey and you feel like you've kind of exhausted all of your options, but you know you need to go within and actually do that inner healing work, know that I'm here for you. Feel free to read more about my coaching program called Back Home to You. 
you can just go to magdoll.com slash back home to you. Read about the program there and then I have a little button there for you to click on if you want to schedule a discovery call with me. Like I said, I only have three spots left at the time of this recording and once those spots are filled, I won't be able to take new clients until June. So I just wanted to let you all know um, and give you the updates regarding my program and how things are going with that. And if you have any questions at all, you know where to find me. And as always, if you're listening to the show, just take a screenshot, post it on Instagram and tag me so I can see you listening. So, hey Mel, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we've planned this for like over a year. <laughs> it has been. I literally think it was February of 2020 that we were planning yeah. this. Yeah. And even that, I feel like we were like planning ahead, right? I feel like we were talking in 2019 and we're like, let's put it in February. Yes, that is exactly what happened. So I feel, but I really trust that everything happens at divine timing. And before I hit record, you and I were talking about some cool topics that we'll touch on today. But before we get started, I would just like you to introduce yourself to everyone. I absolutely adore you and you're hands down one of my favorite people to follow on social media and you always just like bring some light into my day. So why don't you tell everyone who you are and that sort of thing? For sure. So um, my name is Mallory. I started my first business in university um, with my like new boyfriend at the time. Um, I had kind of worked in like office life right from the start of university and really quickly realized I didn't want to do that. And so I started working more in startups, um, but they're very like being in Ottawa, they're very tech, um, you know, all dude startups. So it's quite the experience. And then um, I started my own business as a university project um, with my partner. And it was just kind of you know, this small little idea, we started it as a lifestyle apparel brand for powerlifters, um, simply because all the other ideas we had really took like a lot of research and money and as students, like we didn't have it. So we felt above anything else, like there was a lack of um, connectedness and community as the powerlifting sport was really growing. So we were like, well, why don't we just start with solving that problem first? Because that's something we were really passionate about as powerlifters ourselves. And so we kind of dove in and started that brand and that like really picked up and really grew. And we ended up growing it to the point where we were able to leave um, our corporate office jobs and do it full time. So that was really, really fun. Uh, but then I got super burnt out, which we can touch on too, a few questions. Um, but after that, I kind of refocused everything, reevaluated what I wanted from life, from the business, with my health. And ever since then, I've been helping other entrepreneurs build their businesses without burning out, kind of shifting the conversation and helping people figure out what they actually want from their business, because there's so much noise right now about all the hustle and what we're supposed to want from our business and even like being entrepreneurs. 
Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say. And (laughs) I like, I mean, we could even start at like the burnout, but I feel like we could even go back farther than that because you did something that a lot of people struggle doing. Like they have this vision or they have this idea of, okay, I want to do this, but so much holds us back from actually just like going for it. And I really love that part of your story like you were a university student and you did a project for school right and at that point like you guys came up with this idea and you just really went with it and it was so successful and I think there's a whole conversation around that about you know like us having to do these things or just like go for our ideas and go for our visions because you really don't know what's going to happen and it and I know you're all about like you know not letting those voices in your head or that um, self-judgment or thinking about what other people are going to think we don't need to be letting that hold us back. And I have this conversation with my clients all the time and I'm not even a business coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think like the one thing people don't get to see enough when they look at business owners, is like, um, you know, like the personality behind that and also how they started. Like I am very much, I would say like a recovering perfectionist. I'm like a lot better, but definitely growing up, especially being in like a school system, I was so like, you know, classic A plus student. And so it, I feel like I really had to take baby steps and having a partner in business and in life that is so like, go for it. We really helped balance each other out because, you know, I would kind of make sure like every, our ducks were in a row, like as much as possible, but he would be the one to like finally push. Like, I feel like I wouldn't have started my own business without that push and like turned it into a real thing. Um, So definitely like having that support from someone, but also just the baby steps, right? Like we didn't just think now we really glorify like quitting jobs too, but a lot of people think like, oh, I have to quit my job to go start this business I want to start. But like we were in school, both working like full-time jobs and I didn't leave that job for like, um, probably I think like a year and a half um, after starting the business. So like you can do it in those little steps. And like, we just started with like an Instagram account and then we started with wristbands and then we started with a hundred t-shirts and that was all before we even had like an online store. Right. So you really can take small steps. You don't have to like wake up an entrepreneur one day. No, no. But then things did kind of get crazy for you. (laughs) And that you brought up burnout, right? And I know so many women listening to this podcast totally knows what that feels like, but it doesn't just happen overnight. So Mm -hmm. what did that look like for you that, you know, how did you kind of enter that stage of burnout? Yeah, I would say like the whole first half of it, I didn't realize that anything was happening, which I think is really common for people um, because a lot of the first signs are like mental, psychological, like energetic, emotional, all those things that like we don't prioritize the same way, right? Which I mean, even just since that happened to me, like I feel like already the narrative around it has changed so much, right? Like there's so much more information and conversation around burnout around meditation, like around all of those things. Um, But at the time it was just a lot of being like exhausted, you know, um, being really easily irritated, 
just like having a good cry on the way home from work for no reason, you know, like all of these things that we like jokingly normalize um, that are actually really big signs of something brewing. Um, but again, like you kind of like laugh it off or push through it or just think like, yeah, I'm just really tired because I have a lot going on um, and not like connecting all those dots. So that was definitely the beginning part of like the hindsight red flags. Um, but then for myself, it was definitely like, you know, they say, if you don't listen to your body when it whispers, it has to scream. So for me, it definitely screamed loud. <laughs> I got, um, pneumonia. I had like really bad rashes on my face breaking out. I was like losing hair. I was getting like crazy marks on my body. Like I would just lean on something. And then I looked like my arm had been like attacked by something. Like it was very clear, very quickly that things weren't operating at a great level in my body. Um, but that was really like the breaking point for me to be like, okay, I actually have to slow down and deal with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point you knew like what was going on. Yeah. Like somewhat, right. Like I, I knew that my body wasn't a hundred percent, but I think that it's still really tough. Like I think especially just the way that like, um, like Western medicine is and like you know, traditional doctors, it's hard because you go in, you're like, I have all of these things happening. Um, and I feel like they're related, but then, you know, you get like the tests for the different parts of it. And they tell you like, mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's those, those things aren't related. They're coincidences. And I'm like, I don't think like my whole body falling apart is a coincidence, right? Like my lungs were really bad, but then I was also getting stomach bloating and then also getting like things like the hair loss or the face rash. And, you know, I was getting kind of answers like, Oh, well, like try a different mascara and like, you know, try, I, I don't know, like, uh, we'll do some blood work. Right. And I just kept having to go back. And that's the hard thing when you are busy, like we underestimate, it's a lot of work to like keep booking yourself into the doctor. Right. Like it's hard when you finally so are like hard, right. Yeah. You're like, Hey, I'm going to do it. I book it. And then you go and they send you for blood work and then there's no answer and they don't follow up. Right. If there's no answer. So then you have to go and come back and be like, Hey, I still don't feel great. Right. Like what else can we do? And I think for me, it was like after a few rounds of a uh, prescription for my um, pneumonia. And I think it was like after my third chest x-ray, they were like, okay, like it's gone. And I was like, okay, but I still feel horrible. And I had like so much phlegm in my lungs. Like I could hear it when I was breathing. And that's when I was really like, okay, there's something else going on here. Right. Because if on paper, my pneumonia is gone and I'm still this bad, like I need to start looking at it as a system and see like what's really happening. Yeah. Yeah. And during this time, your business is still running, right? Yeah. So were you talking about how you were feeling at this time or were you just kind of showing up and still grinding things out? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, the pneumonia was like so oddly like satisfying. And I felt such relief to be told I had pneumonia. And that's kind of where I started to connect also that like bigger things were going on. Cause we shouldn't be like stoked to hear that we have pneumonia. Right. But it just felt nice to have an answer, but also like an answer to other people. Right. Of like, I, um, didn't compete in the upcoming powerlifting meet because of that. And, you know, it was just nice to be like, Oh, it's cause I have pneumonia. Right. Instead of just being like, my body is failing me and I'm exhausted because I was so stressed going into that meet. Cause like my numbers weren't looking good. Right. My lifts were like really horrible and everything just felt bad. 
And then it was like, oh, I had an excuse now that I had pneumonia, right? Yeah, it was kind of like your permission slip, right? Exactly. Honestly, like I know we're not talking about hormones here, but I hear like I talk a lot about amenorrhea, hypothalamic amenorrhea with my clients. And so like when a woman finds out that's the reason why she doesn't have to like go to the gym every single day, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like that huge permission slip to just chill the FO and pneumonia was that for you. Yes, a hundred percent. So I, I, and I definitely was just trying to like carry on and like, you know, keep up a good face. Um, I remember being like, also these events were like four days long, right? So it's like eight hours of just like chatting with people, which is also just exhausting for your body when you're not a hundred percent. Um, but I remember, you know, like you can get a, basically like a medical slip for some of these meets to say like, oh, I couldn't do provincials because of this medical thing, but I'm still allowed to do nationals because I had like basically a doctor's note. So like a lot of people would be like, oh, how come you didn't just like get that? But it's like, I actually just wanted to buy myself more time because I was like, great, if I miss provincials, I'm not allowed to do nationals, which gives me like another three months of, you know, having an answer, right? Of having a reason that I'm not doing nationals instead of getting a medical slip and then having to like decide to not do nationals or to like push my body even further. Yeah. So since you were so burnt out, did you have any like anxiety of not doing like the type of workouts that you were once doing or, you know, any anxiety of not showing up in your business as hard as you once were? Because I know that's something that, yeah. So much. Like, I think, um, it was kind of like the the like perfect storm in the worst way, right? Because I think as like athletes, people really identify with their sport, right? Like you would say like, I'm a powerlifter. You don't say like, I'm someone who competes in powerlifting, right? We really like take it on. And then same with entrepreneurs and business owners, right? So you're like, I'm a powerlifter that owns a powerlifting brand and I'm not powerlifting in the gym and I'm not competing. And I think that was really hard because that was part of why people really fell in love with our business was we were actually part of that community. So it was really hard. And you, like, I did feel like I kind of had to like fake it. Like, obviously I'm still part of the community, but it's like, I had to always be talking about it or say like, yeah, I think I'm going to compete next summer when like, I knew like my body was not in a place where that would be a realistic thing. Right. And, and not even just in terms of like, I feel like the worst part was I was less concerned about like damaging my body further. And I was more concerned that like, well, if my body's not moving these weights, well, like I'm not going to hit the numbers in that competition that I would want to hit to like make everybody happy. Right. Like everyone who's cheering for me. So there was like so much pressure there. I even remember sometimes going to the gym and like, you know, like hitting a bench workout, even though I probably didn't need to, or shouldn't, because it's like, okay, I haven't posted like a a big bench video in a while. And I want to show people, you know, um, yeah, it was definitely like super, super tough. Cause it, you're also in a community that is so enthralled with the sport, right? That's how most sports are. So it's, it, you start to feel like an outsider, but then you also worry that people are going to like notice almost. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up something really interesting and I think this like, just expands so far beyond like showing up on social media and just doing a workout or posting a workout just to prove to everyone that like, hey, I still kind of power lift sometimes or I still work out sometimes, right? And you said you didn't even want to or you didn't like maybe you shouldn't have because your body was in that recovering stage. But let's talk about that because 
if you did that the one time yeah. <laughs> or whatever, right? Like how often is that happening when women or men, like business owners are showing up on social media, just putting on like this show when there's so much like so many different stories, right? A totally different story happening in the background, right? Yeah, and it can be damaging in so many different ways, right? Because we're one, like we're just reinforcing that idea where it's like, if I just didn't feel that pressure to post something like that, it also gives somebody else permission to just not post those things, right? But if if we're like being part of that cycle, we're just causing the issue that we're buying into, right? And then I think also, on your own side of like, you're kind of telling yourself, even if you're a confident person, like you're telling yourself that your worth is somewhat derived from that, right? Like, even if you know that it's not fully, you're still telling yourself like, okay, but it matters how much you bench or it matters like what you look like in a bikini, right? Or it matters like what you're doing on the weekends, how cute your outfits are, right? Because if you're buying into the fact of like, oh, I need to like, you know, go do this thing on the weekend with my friends. Cause everyone's doing it. Like hiking, I feel like is one thing where like everyone hikes now, but like how many people hike cause they want to versus like for the gram. For the but... gram, right? Yeah. yeah, totally. And honestly, like what's coming up for me when you're talking about this at the beginning of January. And I totally did this from a place of like me wanting to like take care of myself a little bit better and I was just like oh I'm gonna wear a new outfit every single day because when I get dressed it makes me feel really good and I'm just gonna post these pictures of my outfits on Instagram and like literally Mal three days later I was like this is so stupid like I hate this (laughs) and you know I could have kept doing it and thought well, I have to, because I told everyone I was going to do this, but literally three days later, I was like, screw this. This is not happening. I, I love my comfies like way too much. And uh, you know, there's no shame in wearing the exact same thing for a whole week. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like we have to create this like, um, filter before we do things of like, am I doing this for me or am I weirdly twistedly like doing this for everybody else and not realizing it? It's kind of like, I feel like, um, like with business people, there's always like a joke, like you don't have to monetize all your hobbies, right? Because we just have that tendency to like turn something into money, right? Like even when I started taking yoga classes, Josh was like, Oh, like, do you think you'd ever get like your, um, like be a yoga teacher. And I immediately was like, no, because I don't want to like ruin the hobby. Right. Because we do have that tendency to think like, oh, well I could still do yoga class, but I could teach it. And then I'd be making money. So it'd be like better. Right. Um, and I think now it's like, it's kind of also turned into people like, do you have hobbies for the sake of social media, seeing that you have hobbies, right? Are you doing like the outfit thing? And I think that's, that's a really interesting example. Cause I've run into that too, where it's like, you start something for you but then you feel like you have to continue it or finish it for someone else. So like last year I gave myself um, a lot of space and permission and actually like challenged myself to not <laughs> post everything online. Like even just house projects we were doing, like we were fully doing them for us, but I actually would like 
asked Josh not to post about them because there was something really special of just being like, we're just doing this for us. And like, everybody doesn't have to know that we did this, you know? And I think it, it's just like so weirdly freeing because so much of our life is online and it just lets you get out of that space of like, yeah, I'm not going for the hike. Cause I want to do a post at the top, like try going for a hike and like leave your phone at home. Don't do any stories that you went for a hike. Don't take a photo that you can later post and just like experience it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another thing that we haven't brought up is like food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I remember when I was going through eating disorder recovery years ago and I would enjoy things like ice cream and, you know, like other things that were kind of like those things that I could take a picture of and be like, hey, everyone, look, I'm doing this. And I remember I went to go do that one time. I was like, why? Like, no one needs to, you know, like, I don't need to make this a big deal because it is just me living my life. Right. But social media, like, makes us think that these things are a big deal. Right. Yeah. And it's like that interesting dichotomy. Like I find the body positivity movement is really interesting too, in some ways, because it's like, I love it and I hate it because I do think it's so important. And I think like, it's something we would probably all be different people if we grew up with more of that. Right. Like if we saw more variety in women and just like things like cellulite. Right. So I think it's really important on that side, but then sometimes I can get super frustrated with it because it also feels like it's telling me like, I can only show up if I'm like squeezing my fat rolls, right? We see a lot of that kind of content of like the purposely like folded over bellies, right? And so it's almost like, well, you know, uh, Mindy Kaling talks about this too, because she says like, people will be like, oh, you're so like brave because she wears a crop top at an event. And she's like, it's actually like extremely offensive. Like that's not so brave. So offensive. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like there's people going to war. Like I'm just wearing a crop top and like you wouldn't tell someone else that's a more stereotypical like beauty standard that they're brave for wearing a crop top right so I think it's those things are really tough because you can get stuck in that it's like I even remember when I was more in the fitness space feeling that pressure of like if I was posting in a bikini that like the caption had to be about like how I still like love my body and it's like but isn't it also empowering if the caption has nothing to do with my body like isn't that more empowering than me feeling like every time I post in a bikini because I have a bigger butt or, you know, cellulite on my thighs, I have to be like acknowledging that I love my body, you know? Yes. Yes. I actually didn't really even realize what a change it was to just like post a picture of your body and not really like say anything about your body. Right. And I actually had a friend reach out to me. This was, Gosh, like I think back into in the summertime, I posted a picture of myself and I started talking about something totally different and I didn't intentionally do that. And then she called me later that day. I was like, hey, I really like how you did that. And I just thought that was really cool because I didn't know I did that. But then I realized like, yeah, we do need more of that, right? Like we do need more. I think it is amazing to see different shapes and like different bodies, right? Like that's how we normalize things. That's what, how we normalize different or normal bodies, right? Mm -hmm. When we see 
a variety of different types of bodies, but like, we don't need to be showing up on Instagram. And like you said, you know, like folded over, like, look at my roles. Like we don't need to be doing that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's really beautiful ways we can do that. There's even a quote. um, And it's like uh, something like one of the greatest protests as a black woman is to like, simply love yourself and believe in your own beauty. And like, it's so true, right? Like that can be the protest in itself, right? Of just showing up and, you know, not commenting on the fact that you have a little roll on your bikini or whatever, right? Like that is so powerful. And I think that's the stuff that will really um, encourage women in the long run is seeing accounts of all these different bodies and the bio doesn't necessarily have body positivity, right? They're just being, I think that's, we're in that transition period, right? So I think all of that work is necessary right now, but I, I'm excited to see it like shift of just being right and not feeling like we have to comment on it. Yeah, point out everything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of transition period, since you are a business coach, I think it's a good question to ask you, like with the hustle culture yeah. or, you know, just like hustling in general, do you feel like this is still something because I feel like so many people are like, oh, you know, like that's old, like no one's hustling anymore. But I still feel like, oh, yeah, it just looks very, different now. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, I still feel like it's very much here. <laughs> yeah. So the difference is like before we would be like, yeah, stay up till 3 a.m. on your computer and then like wake up at 5 a.m. And I feel like the difference now is like, have a 12 part morning routine that includes working out that includes like a perfect smoothie bowl that includes affirmations and then yoga and then meditation. Right. And then you're supposed to work all day. And then in the evening, you're supposed to like get on clubhouse. And like, there's uh, a lot of the like boss babe mentality too. You know, it's like very much like, well, I love what I'm doing. So, you know, I will work on the weekends and it's like, well, I love what I'm doing, but I respect it enough to not work on the weekends right now, but I'm not going to judge you for working on the weekends, right? Like, I think um, there's still, it's just we've like masked it as something else, which happens with everything, right? Like it just pops back up in a different way, but I think it's very much alive. And like, it's again, like I have a client and she was telling me she gets up at like four in the morning and, you know, she's kind of told herself like, that's what she does. And like, you know, there's no changing it because she needs her mornings and she loves her mornings. And it's like her only time alone. And when we could actually break down like why she was getting up at four and it's because it was like her only time for herself. I was like, okay, so like, we're not going to start your client calls until 11 AM. And we're going to start like your work day at 9 AM. And you could get up at seven and still have two hours to do the things you want. Right. And she was doing like a really intensive workout in the mornings. And I'm like, why don't you just listen to your body? And like all week she's just gone for walks instead. Cause she's like, you're right. I just wanted movement, but I told myself like it had to be this workout. Right. And she wasn't even enjoying it. And instead like goes for a walk with her partner and their little fur babies. And like her morning is giving her what she actually wants from it. But she was, you know, buying into that idea of like the time you want alone is a hardcore workout. And then the meditations and like all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so crazy. So we talked about your burnout and I know that journey brought you to obviously where you are today and has allowed you to get clear on creating some really important boundaries. And you were even kind of mentioning them there, like 
you love what you do, you love your job so much, but you're not going to work seven days a week just because you love your job, right? There's Mm -hmm. boundaries and you are really clear about those. And I always love talking about boundaries. That's something that I really dive deep into with my clients. And so I would love to hear about some of your boundaries that you have found really helpful for you after recovering from burnout. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to understand is like, it's okay if you're what your boundaries look like shift. Like that's been the biggest lesson for me because there was a period where like, I still had really great boundaries, but I liked working Sunday mornings. And part of that was like my partner, Josh was um, still doing his real estate license. So he was like studying a lot of the time. And it was kind of like, I had a lot of time to myself and Sunday mornings, like the rest of the world was kind of asleep. Right. And I always felt really creative. So I wanted to use that creativity. Whereas right now it doesn't feel that way, right? Like it feels really nice to end my days by a certain time. It feels really nice to keep my weekends just to my family. And I think too, like looking at the context, like with COVID, um, it's important to me to do zero work on the weekends because so much of our life right now is work. Like even though I already worked from home, you're not getting the same type of like social stimulation. So it is really important to like get off the computer, right? And like go do the other thing. So we'll like, go to a different neighborhood, grab a coffee from a local shop and like just walk a different neighborhood. And I look forward to it so much. And like, that's equally important for my business success than like working on my business. If anything, that would probably slow me down because I'll get like just exhausted from it, right? You'll literally get burnt out. Um, So that's definitely a big thing for me is like also just honoring that like right now that works well. And that's why I don't judge someone else too, because yeah, there was a time where like, I loved working Sunday mornings and I don't think I'm like better than that now. It's just different. Right. I might go back to it at some point. Um, but definitely finding like, what is, what is like your non-negotiables in that free time too? Like I need to be going outside. I need to like read. I need to actually like move my body. Right. I need to hang out with my partner and like hang out with my parents and stuff like that. That's the stuff that like really matters to me. Um, and then also looking at like how we naturally work as people. Like I am again, like, I feel like it's a classic A plus student like syndrome, but I was such a people pleaser. And so like, you know, when people message me, whether it's an email or a text or, um, you know, any type of request, I'm like always naturally so quick to respond and even like pacing myself of like, I could read your text, but not respond for a few hours because I don't have the like energetic capacity for what's going to follow. And I still catch myself doing this. I know before we hit record, we were talking about how like my January just got crazy. It was like, everyone needed me. And I know that I sometimes do it to myself, right? I had a friend reach out and she's like, Hey, like I'm going through this thing. Like, could we talk sometime? I'm like, absolutely. Like tonight, what time? And then my day was just getting out of control. And then I asked her, I'm like, hey, is it super pressing or could we talk on the weekend? Because, you know, I'm keeping my weekends free. So I had so much time on the weekend, right? Um, She's like, yeah, for sure. How's Sunday afternoon? So like I tend to create that narrative of like this person needs me now. But she didn't even say like Friday night, right? She said Sunday afternoon. And that's definitely been something where the more I respect and try to give myself time and not assume everything's an emergency for people. I remember another time I had a client like Friday morning, he was like, do you think you could get me like, um, like this thing by tonight? And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. 
And then I was like, Hey, do you actually think like, um, it'd be cool if I send it to you even like Saturday morning. And he was like, yeah, yeah. We're not going to look at it till Tuesday anyways. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I couldn't even be that mad at him. Cause you know, he was just being like, Oh yeah, yeah. Can you do it like today? And I just was so quick to please that I thought that was like a hard deadline for something. And I think before I used to get super like frustrated, right? Because then the people wouldn't look at it till Tuesday, but I realized like, oh, I can play a more active role in this and I can like speak up. And if it is more of an emergency, I had another friend recently that wanted to chat and I did the same thing, right? After learning my lesson and I'm like, yeah, is the weekend cool? And she's like, it would actually be really great if we could talk like earlier in the week, but I'm totally cool anytime between like now and Wednesday instead of like on the Monday. Right. So just having that really transparent conversation can be so helpful because then I can look ahead and, you know, we can find that space, but I would have bent over backwards to do it in early week when maybe the weekend was fine, you know? Yeah. I think you bring up such a great point about boundaries and I feel like, communication like that's part of like my process talking and teaching my clients about boundaries like communicating them communicating the boundary we want to set um is so important but also when we are at like the receiving end of a request it's really important to communicate like you were saying like do you actually need this right now or like how pressing is this right that part of the boundary is so important to be communicated as well I love that yeah and so I think much. just like setting those standards right like we joke that it's been a year <laughs> since we were trying to do this but I think it's because we both have really great boundaries and like respect for it and I think if you were like you know I really want you on this month because I have like a theme, like I would have made that happen for you. And if I was like, Hey, like I'm promoting something. Can we get this released by a certain date? Like you would do that. But because we were both like, yeah, it's just going to happen sometime. Like we gave ourselves so much space to like give that back and forth of like, Hey, you know, it's that comfort level of knowing like, okay, I could bump this thing if I need to because we've set that mutual understanding. Yeah, and it is mutual, right? It's not like a boundary isn't someone or the reason why you and I haven't had this podcast until a year later. <laughs> it's not like one of us are kind of like walking all over the other person, right? It was mm -hmm. that mutual like, hey, this is flexible. We both know this. And that's also another aspect of boundaries. That's so important. Totally. Yeah, I love this conversation and I love just talking about boundaries because I know this is something that so many people just struggle with. And like you said, when it comes to boundaries, we create so many of these narratives in our heads, assuming mm -hmm. what another person's going to think or what another person needs when we really just do need to ask. Yeah, um, absolutely. And like the big flag for me this year when things got crazy was like, I have boundaries, but with certain people, I don't. <laughs> so if you're in like a certain circle of mine, I will drop everything. And that's where I was really re-coaching myself with like those friends conversations. Right. And I remember one week specifically last year where I just had like, I took on so much emotional energy. It just like happened to be that a lot of people in my life had a thing going on that week and like needed to talk it out. And like, I love being that person, but it was the first time where I literally just ended up crying on the phone with a friend. And it was just that I had literally took on so much, you know, and you don't realize you're just like, yeah, I'm free tonight. But 
you're not factoring in the fact that like yesterday you had like a four hour conversation with someone about like their toxic relationship. And today, like this person wants to talk about like their estranged father, right? Like that's a lot of stuff to take in. So we just look at boundaries sometimes as like a scheduling thing. Or like I said, like if they're closer to you, it's like, I'm more willing to drop everything. And the best thing I could do for those people sometimes is to say like, hey, is next week okay, right? Or maybe later this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you talk a lot about the Enneagram and human design too, (laughs) Um, or you at least included it in one of the most recent emails that you sent out. And I just got so excited. So I just thought I would share with everyone that you're an Enneagram type three and a manifesting generator. So that's just, you know, achiever and like, go, 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 let's do these things. And I just feel like if you can set a boundary, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm like, yes um that's how it's done yeah so true and that's where you see like the manifesting generator come through to you where I'm like I recognize in advance that like you know my boundaries will probably change right like something I want to do it's like you saying that outfit thing like giving yourself permission to be like no never mind don't want to do that anymore like you know I need to live that way yeah yeah I love human design and the Enneagram what do you feel like out from the human design and the Enneagram, how do you feel like they've helped you the most, whether that just be like personally or in your business, whatever? Yeah, totally. So like, um, I feel like business wise, cause it's like a shorter answer, <laughs> um, with, <laughs> with human design, I feel like it was definitely learning that like my strategy was to respond because I felt like I think responding can be like um, a confusing strategy until you realize like that is your human design strategy. Cause I have a lot of clients too, like myself where it's like, I just feel like good things like fall into my lap or like, if I just focus on me, that's when like things work out and we think it's weird until we realize like it actually makes sense for our design. And so that was definitely something of like, just giving myself again, permission to like, not like go out and like pitch myself to all these things, because there were sometimes things where I would like, just swallow that I didn't feel great. And I'd be like, Hey, I just have to do this. And I would like go do these really like outward things that didn't feel natural for me. And I almost like instinctively knew that they weren't going to work out. So it'd be like extra frustrating, but you're like, well, I have to give it a shot because other people do it and it works. Right. Like, and then just realizing like, okay, I don't actually have to give it a shot. Like what I'm doing is working for me. And like, there's a reason that the things are coming to me. Right. So definitely that for the business side. And then I think for personal, um, with my human design, it was like, uh, which parts of me are like open versus defined. That was like, literally, I think gave me like so much peace that I probably could have used like 10 years ago. (laughs) But I just feel like I always look at people that like, you know, have a really clear purpose in life or like anything like that, or like just so set in how they are. And I have a lot of open. So it's only like my throat, heart and my sacral that are defined, um, which for a manifesting generator, like isn't totally normal too. No, that's a lot of energy centers open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was like really telling because it was like, kind of felt like I was always trying to like find myself, like find this version of myself. And then when I saw that, it was just like, Oh, okay, cool. Like there's nothing to find because so much is open. Like I'm just never going to like discover myself. Right. It's always going to be changing. Like I'm always going to be morphing. And like, I actually really love that. And it gave me so much peace to just be like, Oh, cool. That's like how you're supposed to be living. 
Yeah, I love that. I see like a theme. It's like human design has given you permission slips, but also a lot of peace and self-acceptance. I integrate human design into my coaching through like the self-acceptance lens because Mm -hmm. I think that's like, you know, how it's helped me and how I see that it helps a lot of other people is we know these things about ourselves intuitively, but then when we see it in front of us, we're like, oh yeah, okay. Now I can actually accept this part of me because it's like there. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like everything that we're taught growing up, it's like not really a space that obviously gets into for most people at a younger age. So it is like, you don't think there's these things that like explain how you are. And then you read like an Enneagram or human design and you're like, how can this know everything about me? Like everything you think is like a weird quirk is all like in there. And I think it's really interesting. I had I've been using it honestly for most of my one-on-one clients too, like either off the bat or like when there's certain like issues, I'm like, you know what? I feel like we need to pull this up in order to like break it down. Yeah. It's been so great. And I, when I did it on Thursday for one of my clients and she was a reflector, which is so interesting. Um, and like immediately explained so much to me. And I was like, Hey, you need to like deep dive this. And I was sending her so many resources. Cause I'm like, this is going to explain your entire life to you. Like everything immediately found a place from like how she interacts with people and like daily habits to like everything that's happened in her past. I'm like, it's going to actually like, it's even on its own, like heal so much for you just to know this. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like obviously for all the types but there's something I think with reflectors especially when they find their human design type it's just like big lights go off yeah absolutely right especially just being like everything's so open for them like that's a lot to constantly be processing yeah yeah oh my gosh Mal well I could talk (laughs) to you forever it just makes me so happy that you're integrating those aspects into your coaching as well so just so everyone can take a screenshot of themselves listening to this episode and then post to their stories tag me and you on Instagram what's your handle for everyone to just quickly tag you yeah. Um, so my handle pretty much everywhere is at Mallory Rowan, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, uh, Clubhouse, and my website's ValerieRowan.com. Awesome. And I have one last question for you before we sign off. That yeah. is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Mm. Good question. I really feel like it comes down to that self-acceptance piece really of like, if you're just willing to learn about yourself and like take it all in, then nothing truly can break you. Yeah, I love that. So perfect. Thank you so much, Mal. Yeah, thanks for having me. 